Hey there, Brian and Janelle podcast listeners. Brian here with a quick item for you before we get to the main content in today's episode. I'm super excited to tell you about a brand new podcast series I created in partnership with Moody Radio that's available starting right now. It's called The Grandfather Effect. And here's the quick backstory. I only have really one strong memory of my paternal grandfather, Tom. And it was when my dad and I were standing shoulder to shoulder in a crowded room right in front of his open casket. And I remember standing there a bit mystified because, you see, Grandpa Tom had lived only about 15 miles away from my house growing up. And yet I never saw him. He never talked to me, called me, never came to birthday parties. He was no part of our life. He had disowned my family when I was about three years old, and my family was left with lots of questions. Because from our perspective, the reason he disowned us didn't seem to make much sense. The circumstances were so seemingly trivial, it just didn't add up. So what happened? Well, about five years ago, I decided to try to find out. And that journey became much more complicated than I could have possibly imagined. And I chronicled the entire thing with a recorder in my hand and take you along in the journey. The podcast series is called The Grandfather Effect. Would you consider giving it a listen? I'd be super grateful for your support. And if you like what you hear, maybe you'd be willing to leave a a nice review or even tell a friend about it. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Thanks a lot. Lust goes to sexual pleasure. There's a measure at which people don't want to talk about lust. We are still very much back in the 50s when it comes to talking about sexuality, period. Listen, just don't do it. It's like drugs. Don't do it. The end. Right. Just stop thinking about it. Until you can't stop thinking about it. Honor your body. Honor your passions. Honor how God's created you. But channel them in a right perspective of in submission to God. The world around us is full of false choices. That temptation to be us versus them, for or against in or out. But what does it really look like for followers of Jesus to engage in the messiness of life, the gray issues of faith, to truly allow our lives to conform to the gospel? Join us as we try to figure it out. We are the Brian and Janelle Podcast. She's a friend of the show. She's keeping us in check. She's a licensed professional mm-hmm. clinical counselor. She's program director for the Caritas Center for Christian Formation. We could keep going, but we don't have time for all that. I know that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, Nancy Kane is back. Yeah. Good morning, Kivo. So I think we're at our final vice and virtue. Is that correct? Of the seven? Uh, no, we have gluttony to go. <laughs> I was totally wrong. Oh, yeah. Was that, was, that was actually my fault. Gluttony, though? Like, can we skip that one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least on Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> but well, I guess we'll get to that next week. So this week is lust versus chastity. Yeah. And you got a right. whole bunch of people. In fact, I've heard people go, you know what? Lust is not a struggle for me. I'm married. I don't struggle with that. Is that, uh, is that possible for someone to not <laughs> struggle with lust, Nancy? I think you can be so shut down from your sexuality that, yeah, it's possible. Lust, um, in the true sense of the term, in terms of virtues and vices, goes to sexual pleasure. So I think that, you know, in in that regard, I think some people can be so averse to, you know, have gotten really bad teaching about sexuality that they just completely shut down on it. But with what we're talking about today is 
where you channel rather than pursuit of God, you channel the, the energies of the body to, for sexual satisfaction. So there, there aren't any other philosophical angles to lust. It truly is connected directly to sexuality. Yes. But then sexuality is all of us. I mean, it, sexuality is my gender. When I walk into a room, my sexuality comes with me. I mean, it's not just when we're performing a certain sexual act. You know, it's all of us. Even in how we talked about this before you got here, there's a measure at which people don't want to talk about lust. Oh, yeah. No, that's uncomfortable. That's secret. Why, why is it? In, in like, just let's just say the, the church today that we ought to whisper, it's lust. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we are still very much back in the 50s when it comes to talking about sexuality, period. I taught a class with two other professors at Moody on sexuality, and well, the enrollment was packed out fairly quickly. But what we found is that uh, most students, and I think most Christians, have not not gotten any sense of healthy perspective on sexuality. So consequently, the message that we, I think, often think is sexuality is bad and, well, good thing you get married because <laughs> then it's good. But somehow, when you're, when up until that point, we just see it as something awful. And then consequently, lust is one of those things that is the byproduct of having a disordered perspective of oneself, one's sexuality, and, and oneself in relationships. Well, and I mean, what's wrong with then with how the church tried to solve that throughout the purity movement, right? Where it's like, listen, just don't do it. It's like drugs. Don't do it. <laughs> the end. Right. And stop thinking right. about it. Until you can't stop thinking about it, and then don't stop thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, right. I had a client once who was a Christian home, a Christian school, involved in the church, and she was in her 20s, and she came to me and she said, I've spent my entire life hearing how bad sex is. I just worn out by that message, and finally I went and had sex with this fellow that she knew in high school. And she said, actually, it wasn't a bad experience. She was kind of shocked. And it goes to, I think, how distorted the church has become around the whole issue of sexuality, that for her, unfortunately, she had to go down a road of kind of throwing it off to find out what sexuality is about. Yeah. And so I think that, that we've given, we've sent a really wrong message versus teaching which at some point I think I might add to our program is a, a theology of sexuality. We need to know what healthy sexuality looks like. Right. Like what's the actual correct view of, of sexuality then as we talk about lust? Honor your body, honor your passions, honor how God's created you, but channel them in a right perspective of in submission to God. So can you, can, can you give us a, a parallel in that? Like, how, how is this vice similar to other vices? Because I think pe- people might go, wow, lust, separate category. Mm-hmm. Red, red alert, red alert, <laughs> sex talk, totally separate. Well, lust is a passion of the body in which we um, are looking for something for ourselves to be gratified, to find pleasure apart from our relationship with God. So all the other vices have that same factor that we're seeking for something for ourselves apart from submission to Christ. The difference with lust is that it's a sin that can be easily hidden and no one else has to know about it. So consequently, it can grow like moss. It grows best in the dark. It can grow in a way that is far more lethal, I think, to the soul than some of these other sins. It's time for a quick break. When we come back, more with Nancy Kane of the Caritas Center for Christian Formation. We're continuing in our seven-week series on the seven deadly sins and seven virtues. Uh, Today, lust and chastity. 
So we'll try to figure out what chastity is in light of lust here in just a minute. It's Brian from the Brian and Janelle podcast. Want to hit pause real quick to ask for your help on something. Thank you so much for listening when there's so many other options out there. In fact, as you know, it can be oftentimes really hard this day and age to find quality Christian content in the podcast universe. That's why we'd be grateful if you'd consider spreading the word about the Brian and Janelle podcast. I mean, you know how it is. You find your favorite podcast, you listen to it, you're used to it, and you assume everyone knows about it. When the reality is most of the great podcasts I found out about over the years have come from direct recommendations from either podcast hosts or from other just friends of mine who tell me to listen to something. So maybe today you'd consider telling a friend about the Brian and Janelle podcast. We'd be super grateful. Let's get back to the show. Continuing our series on the seven deadly sins and seven virtues, today is lust and chastity. And we've talked quite for at least a little bit here about lust. Do you think there's something we're not understanding yet about lust, or do you you think we've covered that aspect pretty well? Well, I think that, that lust is most manifested when we don't have healthy relationships. And I think that that's part of what we miss, is that we isolate lust as a sexual sin, which it is. But we don't look at the fact that it's often fueled by not having healthy intimacy with people of the opposite sex as well as the same sex. One of the first mandates if someone enters a sexual AA group is they ask them to be about the relationships. And they say, start looking for people that you can be in a healthy relationship with, and that's going to help your recovery. So I, I think that's an important part of what we're talking about is that often it's because we don't really, we're missing the real thing. And so we substitute it with something that gives us pleasure, but it, it's, it's corrupted and it's disordered love. I think a lot of times women kind of think of lust like, oh, I don't struggle with that. That's guys because it's more physical and they're more into that. How does it present itself in women? In women, it can come out in fantasy novels, mm-hmm. in imaginations, in having a secret. So it may not necessarily be into a physical like masturbation. It can be a preoccupation with maybe they have a crush on I don't know, the pastor or somebody that, yeah. that they know where it goes into a fantasy world and for them it manifests in love. That being said, I often taught in one of my classes about healthy sexuality and I would ask the question, how many of you know someone who has struggled with lust? And generally it was the guys that would raise their hands or when I'd ask the girls, it would be they knew a guy that was struggling yeah. with it. <laughs> and then probably 10 years ago, maybe a little longer, I saw a huge shift where when I asked the women, how many of you know a female friend who's struggling with lust and high percentage of the, the class raised its hand. Yes. Why did that change? I think it's the whole notion that equal opportunity, I, you know, I don't want to tell flip about it, but I think that it's that whole thing of I can do what I want with my body and it's not just a man's issue. I can explore my sexuality as men explore their sexuality mm-hmm. all the while being deceived that it's, it, again, it's disordered love. It's, it's a disordered, corrupted uh, self-love. So for, from what you're saying, it sounds like somebody, if they truly had an emotionally intimate friendship with someone, they may not struggle with sexual lust as much. Am I misunderstanding you? Well, I think it goes with how you see your own sexuality, because often lust is a substitute for something else. 
AA talks about the acronym HALT. It's a substitute for feeling hungry or angry or lonely or tired. There's a, there's oh. a sense where we're channeling that stress into an avenue by which we have, it appears that we're having some sort of relief. When it's no relief whatsoever, it's just a substitute. It's just more of a numbing away from the deeper things that are bothering us. And in relationship is how God's designed us to find our healing. So then, if all that is true, what do we do with, with chastity? What is chastity? Because it sounds like it's just withholding. Chastity is being able to see myself rightly before God and channeling that energy in a way that I'm able to be able to be present to another person of the opposite sex as well as to myself. So rather than, in fact, I just did spiritual direction with someone uh, recently who was attracted to someone in her church. Mm-hmm. And she found that the attraction was playing out with an intimate conversation. And the Lord quickened her heart and said, you're not seeing him as a brother in Christ. You're seeing him as someone that's a conquest or someone that's going to get you something. And so for her, chastity meant pulling back that energy that she was putting towards that relationship and honoring him in more of a true friendship rather than moving into something that was now becoming sexualized. And see, many people would jump in and go, see, Nancy, that's why we've got the Billy Graham rule. That's why women <laughs> yeah, shouldn't man. talk to men, and you can't be friends with people of the opposite sex. The end. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think with that, that's where the problem lies, is that we've never really learned how to relate to, to the opposite sex in a way that's healthy. We learn from dealing with the opposite sex, and, and it'd be like taking a whole room full of, of high school students and saying, never talk to boys and never talk to girls. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep you separate and somehow expecting that when they get into adulthood, they're going to be able to relate to each other well. Hmm. In a lot of ways, that's what we've done in the church, is we've said, let's just keep this separate. Let's just keep the genders completely apart because we don't want anything bad happening. Well, what we're knowing by statistics, bad things happen one way or another. Why not learn how to relate well to the opposite sex in a way that we're learning that we truly are brothers and sisters in God's family. Could that be why we're seeing so many circumstances today uh, of, of sexual abuse in the church, perhaps from like overly legalistic views of, re- of relating to the opposite sex? Exactly, because again, it, think of sexual abuse as aberration or complete corruption of love. It's disordered love. And so if a person is not, does not see themselves being loved well by God rightly, they're not in relationships where they're being loved. That that hunger for touch, that hunger for compassion, that hunger for intimacy is going to come out sideways, and it's going to come out, unfortunately, in the dark sin of abuse. And generally what we see, too, is people that have been severely abused as children, if their wounds aren't healed, turn around to become abusers in adulthood. How do you pursue healing? Because it's like so seductive, it can become kind of like a downward spiral. So what are practices that could help? I think it's taking that energy, that passion that you're putting towards your body and towards your own pleasure, and now channeling that towards your pursuit of Christ. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And knowing that this is not a battle that you can win on your own. You can't win it by willpower. We're just deciding tomorrow I'm not going to do that. And confessing, confession needs to be a healthy, normal part of one's life that as we see how much we're forgiven, we love much, that there's a correlation. And recognize where the triggers are. 
I worked with a gal who had a masturbation addiction and her trigger was a certain time at night when she was staying up longer than what she should, that's when she would masturbate. And part of the, the battle for her was, was changing the pattern, going to bed earlier, not staying, you know, waiting around until she was still alert and had the temptation for the masturbation. And then I think also then replacing the, the thoughts towards oneself toward, with scripture. Christ is always with you. And so having the mind of Christ more and more dwelling within you as you live your life. You know, I can't help but think if we had you back someday and we decided to do like just an extended conversation about how important it was for people of all ages in the Christian church to have close friends of the opposite gender, there'd be angry letters Uh, written to the president of the Moody (laughs) Bible Institute. That's how our culture, based on what you're describing, would be backwards. How do we even begin to change this? Well, I think one, talking about it, I think that's really key. And when I was teaching full-time at Moody, that was one of my banners that I kept holding high is relate to each other. And I would tell students, let go of dating, relate to each other, have friendships, learn what it means to have a good best friend that is a person of the opposite sex, because you're going to understand more about how the opposite sex thinks and problem solves and, and how you relate to them and, and what comes up. And I think that we, we need to be talking about these things in the church, even as people advance in age. And I think that that's part of what we tend to put this off to. This is a high school issue. This is a college issue. But we have to start getting to a point where we're talking about what does it mean for men and women to relate healthily as brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. Powerful stuff. Sadly, we're just about out of time here. Again, Nancy Kane is a licensed professional clinical counselor, a regular contributor to the show. She's program director of the Caritas Center for Christian Formation. You really ought to do this if you want to get closer to Jesus and examine these seven primary sins we've been talking about. Nancy, if folks want to learn more about how to register or learn more about what you're doing, how do they do that? They can go to our website, thecaritascenter.com, and there's a section for apply now. The one thing we're just finding with applications is if you don't fill out all the boxes, the application doesn't go through. So uh, a little note there. So we had a couple of people that were like, oh, I applied. And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. Um, yeah. And it's because they, they weren't completely filling out all the boxes. So the computer was like, no, you didn't. And then it goes on. So, so check all the boxes. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, Nancy, we love you, sister. And we look forward to next week as long as we can eat on Thanksgiving. Okay? Exactly. In seconds. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, if you like what you hear on a weekly basis, we'd be grateful for your ratings and reviews wherever you listen. And also subscribe so you get the latest episodes. Follow us wherever you are on social media and search for us online. We're at brianandjanelle.org. Don't miss our weekday morning show with conversations just like this. You can listen on the Moody Radio mobile app or again at our website, brianandjanelle.org. Special thanks to the talented team of individuals who tirelessly put together this podcast every week, Josue Villa, Mike Reynolds, and Ron Eastwood. The Brian and Janelle Podcast is a production of WCRF Moody Radio Cleveland. Until next time, we're Brian and Janelle.